Cool. Today we're going to be doing um, the first part of our new series, Water. Um, we're going to be looking at baptism for the next three weeks. We're going to be coming at it from a few uh, different um, angles. Um, that was great, Leko, man. That was really, really cool. And um, yeah, shout out to Eden for the big finish. <laughs> Where we didn't have a drummer to smash it out, so she just threw the phone through the, the maraca. Threw it down. Yeah, jabbing Ebony. She was like, just throw it everywhere. Jeez, like, she was like, come on now. Yeah, she was, re- she was ready to throw down. Hey, yeah, you did throw down. That's great. And you're still throwing down. So we're going to be doing this series looking at baptism over three weeks. And the first place um, we're going to be looking is in Matthew 3. So when we talk about baptism and when we talk about these kind of things, we have this kind of very Christian-y word. You don't really hear the word baptism like, or like no one uses it for anything else. Maybe if you have like a really, really bad first day at work, they go, it was a baptism of fire. Or if you're a centre-back thrown on and you let in like a result for like eight of the opposing team's goals, you had a baptism of fire. But other than that, no one really uses that phrase. No one really uses it for anything. Um, unless like you go to one of those churches where straight off the bat, before they let you open a hymnal, they want to know if you're baptised, redeemed, sanctified, <laughs> blood washed, da-da-da-da-da, like Daz washed, all the other kind of things. Uh, have you had incense, this sense, and all other nonsense? And um, they go through all these kind of filters. So ba- baptism really is, is a word you really only find kind of in the in Christian tradition, Christian circles. It's a Greek word, but we've kind of stuck with it. So it's um, baptizo, baptizo um, which basically means it means to dip but I'm guessing like the Baptist Union got together and decided they could not possibly be called the Dippers Union uh, it just it just wouldn't throw down it doesn't sound very influential it's not very much of a shaker um, and then ba- John the Baptist it's a strong powerful man in the wilderness you couldn't have him known as John the Dipper it just it doesn't have the same ring doesn't have the same zeal to it but that's essentially what it is and that's essentially what the the name means so uh, it means to dip under to immerse but um yeah so john the dipper is um the big dipper in the start yeah cheese what about the big dipper space and time is testifying to baptism so uh, no it's not so um yeah that was a that was a hashtag reach uh lecrae sign me up reach records i'm available can't sing and rap but you know i can reach for things really far so um yeah that's kind of what the word means now um, in matthew 3 what we find is in those days john the baptist john the dipper came preaching in the wilderness of judea repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet isaiah when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness no not eden but john the baptist um, prepare the way of the lord make his path straight now john wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. So it makes like a special reference to these things. Now, the key things, like in a really short space of time, the, the writer is really linking up with some really powerful kind of imagery. So like in 2 Kings um, 1.8, it, 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 um, there's a situation with um, Elijah and he is being descri- described to King Ahaziah 
um, and the description being given to him is he wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather around his waist. That's the description given to, to the king. And um, all the people in Jesus' day are really familiar with um, this passage, this tradition. And then in Malachi, in chapter 3, and also uh, verse 1, and also in Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6, so in, verse, in, in chapter 3 it says, Behold, I send a messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Now in um, chapter 4, verse 5 to 6, when, when it talks about straight away, it talks about John preaching out in the wilderness of Judea. That's huge um, in a number of ways. But it also talks about the way that he dressed, and that's huge because of the description given to the king about what Elijah looked like. So Elijah wears camel hair, well, wears a long garment of hair and a belt of leather around his waist. So John the Baptist wants to throw down because the prophecy in Malachi is that Elijah will come again. So if you ever want to come and make a stance saying, yo, I'm Elijah, mic drop, you basically go somewhere, you start preaching in camel hair and you wear a level belt around your waist because you're kind of saying, oh yeah, I'm pretty much Elijah and I'm back in town and I'm here to drop bombs on y'all. That's kind of what, what John is doing. So John, by the way he's, he's, he's dressed, it's, he's not going for a shoot at GQ. It's not what he's doing. It's not what he's going for. He's making a strong prophetic statement. He's tying back to what was said about kings. He knows identity. He knows who he's meant to be. And then he does this strange thing by going and preaching in, in the wilderness. So he's preaching in the wilderness and he's known as John the Baptist, a.k.a. John the Dipper, representing, um, dipping all over the place. And he's, he's baptizing people. And so what it says, is it, it talks about, and it says about it in Malachi, and so it starts off with this thread that, um, it's picking up the same message saying like uh, preparing the way and so his way of preparing the way is this whole baptism thing now I think sometimes as Christians what happens is when we talk about baptism is we read the whole of the Old Testament which by the way ends with Malachi so John is kind of like taking on the mantle picking up where it left off because there's been nothing really after Malachi it's just been dead silent and then all of a sudden Elijah's walking around aka John and there's just been this deadly um, silence but he's baptizing people and we ignorantly kind of tend to just choose this as like a Christian thing. Like baptism is a Christian thing. Baptism is not a Christian thing. Like the Jewish tradition had baptism. They, they had the dipping, the cleansing. That's what they call it, like this dipping cleansing ritual. It, it's not a Christian thing. It's like we've carried on that tradition just like everything else we have. Like if you haven't noticed, like Jesus didn't come to earth and go, actually guys, I'm not a Jew. No, he didn't. He, he came as a Jew. He, he was among the Hebrew people, the Hebrew tribe. And this tradition has carried on. And when we talk about baptism, we talk about this church tradition and we talk about it in these ways and we kind of cut off a lot of the history behind it. So over the other two weeks, we'll look into some really interesting angles of where baptism comes from. But today I'm going to focus on John the Baptist because when we talk about baptism, that's generally where as far back as we go. We don't really tend to trace it back further than that. So what would happen is you see all the different synagogues. So in the Greek New Testament, where every time you see the word church, it's a word called ecclesia. And so every time that turns up, it means a people called out for a purpose. Now, the Hebrew people called their local gatherings ecclesia. It wasn't like the Christians owned this thing where it was like, this is our word, we're the church, yeah. It wasn't like that. The Jewish people had their local gatherings, they had synagogue, they had ecclesia, and they met together. And so when John is doing this, what he does is so, so radical because not only does he come and announce himself as Elijah by wearing like camel skin, which is pretty leery, and this belt around his waist, and he starts eating this mad, 
nuts diet that I don't even want to think about of like, yeah, locusts and honey. I'm not down with that, John. We didn't go that far today. If you notice, there is a theme today. We have breadsticks and dips to celebrate John the Dipper. That is our City Hill honor. Um, yeah, so, so get dipping. Um, knock yourselves out when, whenever you want. So like, I didn't feel it was fair for you guys to have the full New Testament experience where you're kind of make a verbal confession of Jesus, then get dunked in water and then fill the Holy Spirit. So instead we went for breadsticks, uh, which are far more easily accessible for Morrisons. Um, although I've advertised them, they are readily available in other places for the podcast listeners. Um, so, so John does this whole thing where he's not taking or made this new ritual. He's taken a ritual that everyone's doing. What John does that makes him be called John the Dipper is John goes out to the wilderness to dip people. I shouldn't say dip people because I, I am aware now as a youth worker, when you say you dip someone, it means you stab them. So like, yeah, man got dipped in it. Man got dipped in the wilderness, done though. By a guy in some camel skin with some leather belt blood. Yeah, run, rolling that deep. So that's not what John, I just realized I'm saying that. John was dipping people in the wilderness. No, that's not what he was doing. John was baptizing people in the wilderness. But what John was doing that was so politically and radical about this was what you had was you had within Judaism, you had all these different sects, all these different denominations. So across London right now, there's all these different denominations and they all have these different views and you kind of do certain things to be a part of it and then you're in and you're accepted and if you're not, then you're not in and you're one of those and not one of us. And there's this kind of division. Now what John does is John does what Elijah does. Now Elijah doesn't allow anyone to have any power or ownership over God. God has ownership over God. God is God. And no one can copyright him and no one can take ownership over him. He is who he says he is. Now what John does is he breaks the power and the yoke of all the establishment where everyone else is vying to be baptized into this sect, into this group, into this establishment. John is out in the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord. He's saying, I am Elijah, I'm here, I'm preparing the way for Jesus. And we're going to come to him and we come to him through this thing called baptism. And what we're doing is we're going to acknowledge our sins. We're going to acknowledge the way that is before us. We're going to surrender ourselves into it. We're not going to run away from who we are anymore. We're going to face it head on. And the reason why they face it head on, which is what we're going to look into in more detail next week, is because their understanding of baptism came from the flood. It comes from facing and walking towards your judgment rather than running away from it, going, this is who I am. This is where I am, coming to God, wash away of me, cleanse me, start anew, birth something new and powerful and wonderful in me. And so what John is doing is John is saying, no, this isn't about the establishment. This isn't about political agenda. This isn't about the temple and this isn't about the synagogue. And this isn't about the fundraising for my new multi-million dollar jet that I'm gonna fly in because I need to preach the gospel at different places. This isn't because I need a new book tour. This isn't because I want a bigger building. This isn't because um, I'm looking weak compared to the next guy. This isn't about any of those things. This is literally, he strips everything away and he goes, this is about you and God because he takes them to the wilderness. He takes them where there's nothing. Like it's not one of those Sundays where the people come and, the, and John the Baptist is going to his disciples, we're screwed, the smoke machine isn't working, how will the Holy Spirit move in this place? Like, that's a crisis in some churches, I'm not even kidding you, the smoke machine's packed up, we are screwed, like, Holy Spirit is, is, is like, 
How is he going to function? The smoke is not going to be here. Like, we have lost the whole behind the curtain experience. Like, ah! There are pastors who would freak out. Can we find another smoke machine in time? You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. That's not what John's doing. What John's doing is going, we're going to strip everything away. No distractions. No, no BS. No power plays. We're going to come here. And when we baptize, we're going to acknowledge our sins, our wrongdoing. We're going to own it. We're going to face it. We're going to be washed clean. We're going to come out new. And we're going to be a part of this new thing called the way that Jesus is doing. We're going to be part of this new thing called the way that Jesus is doing. So John is out in the wilderness doing this whole thing. And he wore um, a garment of camel's hair, a level belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem... And all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these very stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown, to, thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. You do not come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, do all good things. Then he consented, and Jesus was baptized. Immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So this is where we look at this kind of sacred tradition of baptism. So, with that in mind, at City Hill over these couple of weeks, we're going to be looking more and more into this. The most powerful thing, I think, from this introductory passage that we're looking at is, as I've already said, that he goes to the wilderness to baptize people, that he takes it away from the power plays and he makes it about one and God. I think, if I'm honest, it's very easy to spend a lot of time around other Christians and around church and make it about so many other things. And actually, each one of us here today needs to have our own wilderness experience. Now, I'm not saying we need to rush to an actual wilderness. If you can, call. There's Clapham Common over there. If you have a park near you, you may need some time out and you may need to, to renew that connection with God again and just strip away all the nonsense. Man, you know what? If I'm honest, how much of my life is spent waiting for that next notification? Like Facebook has me so programmed, I'm waiting for things to happen that are never going to even come. And I'm like, when is that next thing coming from? When is that next email? When is that next this? When is that next that? Boy, do I need a wilderness experience. Boy, do I need to step away from all that influences and shapes me and take time with God where I say, this is who I am right now. 
and I need you to cleanse me. I need you to make me whole and I need you to make me the person that I'm supposed to be because I can keep doing this BS God and I can keep looking great and I can keep sounding really, really holy to a lot of people and I can keep saying the right buzz phrases and the right catch, catch words. I can be hanging around the right people and influencers. I can be in the right meetings, doing the right things. But each one of us, and I know my wife is now gonna hold me accountable because I've said this, each one of us needs to find that wilderness space. Just that one moment this week, doesn't have to be a four hour thing, but if you can find one hour to get away from everything, where your to-do list doesn't define you, where your notifications do not define you, where your next big thing doesn't define you, where what you think matters doesn't define you, where all the preconceived ideas of what living means and what being even spiritual means and separating everything you've ever known and just getting away, closing yourself off and going, God, who, who are you? Who am I? How does this work? Have I got everything wrong? Can you cleanse me? Can you reconnect with me? Can you do a new and a fresh work in me? Because John took everyone away from everything they'd ever known for them to have this encounter, this baptism. He didn't do it in any of these mainstream kind of ways, which leads me to what we're going to do. So at City Hill, we have never done any baptisms. And um, I've never been a big fan of baptism, probably because I was a kid and I remember getting baptized and not getting the proper briefing. So um, going down backwards and no one telling me to hold my nose water up your nose going backwards it's not a great feeling uh, I will never forget coming out like oh feeling so gross so um, I've kind of avoided it but then I felt like really challenged not just by um, God but by a couple of friends around me who when they were talking about baptism I kind of didn't input anything and then the whole thing like what do you think comes up and I'm like I don't, don't really care <laughs> that's kill bill if you're hanging around with Baptists the samurai swords come out and um, I got really, really challenged. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, why don't we do it? Like, yeah, okay, we're not gonna get an oversized paddling pool at the front of Metro. That would be ridiculous. Why don't we do something different? Why don't we have a celebration? Why don't we go somewhere like the Lido and just have a great day? Barbecue, booze, and baptism. Three Bs! I'm a real preacher, I didn't even think about that. Barbecue, booze, and baptism. This is how my church does it, man. And breadstick and dippers. That's, that's how we do baptism. That's literally how we do baptism at City Hill. But just cut away from all the church stuff and just be like, yeah, bang, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So if anyone hasn't been baptized and would like to be baptized, we've got all the way till I think probably July um, to make our minds up. So once again at City Hill, there's no pressure decision of like, you get baptized now. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not a waterworks gas chamber where we're going to throw you in. Zikhan, should be baptized. But if Jesus coming to John said is good to fulfill all that is good, then I think it's a worthwhile thing just on those grounds alone. But I think in an age that is so full, more now than ever, of so much preconceived ideas. I think baptism is actually a fresh opportunity, not just for a fresh start, because we can have that forgiveness thing and everything else, but to take an opportunity to separate yourself to the wilderness again and say, God, I don't want to assume that I know you. I want to know you for who you are.
Um, I'm going to finish by just tapping into one last thing which I want to highlight from our, our, the, the Jesui series we did just because I found it to be one of the most powerful things that's happened to me in a long time where that, that, that sacred moment where Moses meets with God at the burning bush and he says, who do I say sent, who do I say, um, sent me? Who do I say has sent, sent me? And as he says that statement, for the children of Israel, they'd been through so much suffering that the name of God had become ambiguous. They'd forgotten who he was. And God said, I am who I am. That sacred conversation where he says, who do I say um, sent me? And God said, I am who I am. And in that statement, when, he, when you translate it literally, it says, I will reveal who I am by my actions. And from that moment forward, we get all the different names of God throughout the whole of the scriptures. Jehovah this, Jehovah that, Jehovah Jireh. All the different names of God because each different person encountered him in a fresh way and was able to express that to others. The beautiful thing about what John does in the wilderness is people got to rediscover their faith for the first time, where they got to separate it from what the institution told them, separate it from all the preconceived ideas of what had been laid onto them that they had to carry that didn't really fit. And here, when we combine those two things together, where God says, I will reveal who I am to you by my actions, I want to encourage us this week to relive that talk in terms of that challenge that we encounter God, we separate ourselves from everything, get away for a moment, say, God, here I am, cleanse me, wash me, and then go, God, reveal who you are to me by your actions. That over these coming weeks, each one of us can rediscover Jesus, can rediscover who God is. Because the the idea that he fits into the small hole that we keep him in, um, for me, I, I don't find that it works. I don't know how you're doing with it, you may be doing great with Jesus, Keyhole Jesus. Um, Keyhole Jesus doesn't work for me. Um, he, he's outside of space and time. He spoke all things in the being. He gave his life for us. He rose again. He's at the right hand side of the Father. That's, that's not Keyhole Jesus. That's beyond my mind, Jesus. Um, the Jesus who deli- delivered a couple million slaves from slavery like that. Um, he was the Passover lamb. That, that, that blows my mind. That blows my mind. That's the Jesus I want to meet with this week. That's the Jesus I want to take to the conversations I have, to the people I meet, to the situations that I come in to play with. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then that'll be it for, for this week. Uh, Father, as we look at John the Dipper, as we look at how uh, Matthew introduces him, introduces him as this crazy guy drawing parallels with Elijah, um, this guy preparing the way for you, Someone who took all the attention away from the establishment, a very powerful group, um, large in number and in opinions and diverse theological beliefs and viewpoints and understanding of all the different rabbis, all controlling and having the power over the people. And this one man just dresses like this powerful imagery of Elijah. He walks out into the wilderness and he tells them, to come, to confess their sin, to be baptized, that he's preparing the way for Jesus and that Jesus would come and would carry on and provide salvation to the masses, not just then, but throughout all of time, from beginning until all things have their place and are fulfilled. Lord, you are amazing and you are good. Father, this week, would you help us 
to strip away the preconceived ideas that each one of us has of who you are that is limiting our scope, limiting and hindering who we are, that is holding us back, that is causing us harm. Would you set us free, that we would be free to meet with you as you are, and that, Father, we would embrace the journey with you just as Moses did and all the children of Israel as they left slavery. They left just on the exploration of your name to find out who you were because they believed that you would reveal it by your actions. Would you reveal yourself to us by your actions? Would you help us to strip away the ideas that we have? May you broaden our horizons and how we see and engage with you that we may be all that we can be not for our own sakes but for your glory and for the benefit of our families our loved ones our colleagues all those we come into contact with our community and the wider world father we live in a global village help us to be influencers in every area that we can for your kingdom May your kingdom come and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.